Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss using handwritten notes to create connection, refreshing the sound of your brand, and trying to figure out what happened next when you only know the first half of the story. Connections, cues, and cameras. Oh my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. All right, Dan, I have a confession to make. Oh boy, I'm not entirely sure I'm qualified to hear this, but go ahead. All right, here's my confession. It's been 244 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 19, what make that, 20 seconds, since the last time I was on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that long. That's a long time, Joey. Oh, I mean, it hurts. It for, hurts. For guys that are used to being on an airplane, you know, sometimes uh, several times a week, yeah. uh, back and forth, it, it, it really is. It's a big part of our lives that has just completely disappeared. Vanished. In 2019, I flew over 160,000 miles on Delta. And I, yeah, it's just, it's, I miss it. I miss it. And while I don't miss all aspects of flying, there are definitely some aspects that I do miss. And as our experience, this listeners know, when I fly, as I mentioned earlier, you'll find me flying Delta, which is probably... I I do think it's been 244 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 20 seconds since you've mentioned Delta on this podcast as well. It might be. It might be. It's been a while. It's been a while. But um, that is probably why, and fans know that I'm a huge fan of Delta, that is probably why three people, including my amazing wife, Barrett, Loyal Experience This Show listener Nick Hemmert and Barry Glassman, advisor to the wealthy around the world, sent me a link to the CX Press article we're going to talk about today within an hour of it being published. Like, you know that my brand has been associated with Delta when there is a story that is published and within an hour of it going live... I get it from three completely different people. So let's talk about the article. You can find a link to this article, which was written by Jason Atten, in the show notes at experiencethisshow.com or directly on inc.com. And the article is titled, On This Delta Flight, The Crew Did Something to Remind All of Us of the Importance of Creating Personal Connections. And this article details a remarkable experience that Jason had while flying on a Delta flight to New York City and specifically to LaGuardia Airport. Because let's face it, folks, you aren't going to have a great experience at LaGuardia Airport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, our poor friends at LaGuardia. (laughs) That hurt. My least airport on the planet. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, guys in New York. I know. But no, I just, it's not good. 
we 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 all have a, a a challenging airport dances LaGuardia. Well, anyway, as the plane was taxing to the gate after landing, a flight attendant came around and delivered handwritten notes to the passengers. Now, the note, which Jason included a picture of in his article, and again, we'll link to in our show notes, read as follows. Mr. Jason Atten, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for flying with us today. Thank you also for being a silver medallion with us. It truly is passengers like you that make my job not only great, but also make Delta the airline that it is today. Thank you so very much for your continued loyalty. All my best and safe travels, Davy Bregger. Well, I think this is awesome, but I hate to say it. My first reaction is this was easy to do because there were probably only four people on the plane. Yeah. Now, you, now I will say the article kind of alludes to it wasn't a super heavy packed flight, right? There were less people, but I think that proves the point. If the, if you're dealing as most businesses are right now in this COVID era with even less customers than you have in the past, are you upping your game? Are you upping the experience? I mean, so many businesses are looking for ways to stand out in the marketplace, to connect with their customers, to get more business out of the clients that they do have. And this is a fantastic example of something that every business can do. It's low cost, but it's high ROI. It's a small commitment of time, but it delivers long-term value. It's such an easy thing to do, but here's the reality. So many people who have found the time to listen to this episode of the Experience This podcast will not find the time or rather schedule the time to sit down and write a thank you note to a customer. And I don't say that to be critical of our listeners. I say that's how low hanging this fruit is and available for you, friends. Like all you got to do is write a thank you note. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it is a much underutilized practice, much like recognizing birthdays, which we've talked about before. And I know in a previous episode, we talked about one of my favorite brands called Punk Post, which is a terrific way to send thank you notes. If like me, you don't have all the pretty stationery sitting around and you don't feel like actually writing it yourself, Punk Post will do it for you. But I definitely think that is a amazing thing to do. And all jokes aside about how many people were on the plane, it is a, a fantastic practice. And I think it was clearly meaningful to this guy. I'm guessing that the flight attendant didn't know that he wrote for Inc. And we've mentioned many times before that we don't always know if our customers have podcasts or write for Inc. or Forbes or have their own blogs or have social media followings. But that doesn't really matter. Ultimately, what we want is for those customers to tell a friend, to tell a colleague, to tell a family member that this happened to them on Delta or on whatever company or with whatever company you're dealing with. And that becomes the elusive word of mouth marketing that, you know, I was a marketer for 20 years. This is the thing all marketers are trying to get is word of mouth marketing. And it comes down not to a funny advertisement or something like that, but something as simple as writing a thank you note. So true, Dan. And something that folks who don't regularly fly Delta may not know, there's that reference in the note, thank you for being a silver medallion. Silver medallion in the Delta flight loyalty world means you fly 25,000 miles a year. So it's actually their lowest threshold 
for, you know, being a recognized medallion or kind of loyalty member. So if, if this was going to somebody who flew a hundred thousand miles a year, you could kind of say, Oh, well, of course, this is their top customer. I'm not saying that Jason isn't a great customer and a loyal customer, but what I love about this is it's a way to connect with people who maybe someday will be at the next level of being a customer. And you can lay a foundation with these personal touch interactions that kind of continue the conversation going forward. So in other words, those silver medallions are the people that you diamond people look, you know, look down. At <laughs> no, 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 brother. Every year I've got to work my way through silver to gold to platinum and finally land in diamond. Uh, so I too go through silver at the beginning of the year. I try to go through it quickly so I get to the next levels. But yeah, it's all part of it. And I think so often people will ask whether it's, you know, when I'm doing a virtual keynote or consulting with a client, they'll say, well, Joey, is it okay if we treat different levels of our customers in different ways? Can we put more praise and more interesting things and more touch points onto our highest paying or our most profitable or our most loyal customers? And I always say, Yes, you absolutely can, as long as that doesn't mean you have a pathetic experience for the people who haven't reached that level. Sure. The, ba- the base level still has to be good for you to exactly. do that. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't mind extra gilding for the people who you know are your most loyal or your most profitable or whatever categorization you might want to give them, but you got to deliver something to everyone. And as I understand from the story, and the article doesn't clearly detail this, but it's written in a way that it makes me believe that everyone on the plane got a handwritten note. And stop and think about those long flights where, and I say this respectfully, everybody's been served. Everybody's gotten their food, their snack, their drinks. They're watching their movie. They're working on their laptop. They're doing whatever they're doing. And I'm describing this in detail because it's been so long since most of us have been on a flight. I want you to remember what it was like. Lots of times the flight attendants disappear for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour on these long haul flights. Or they're there, but it's kind of hit and miss. During that downtime, yes, they could be playing Candy Crush on their phone or they could be writing a handwritten note. And this flight attendant happened to take the time to write the handwritten note, which really stood out and led to the article. And look, I think for people listening, this is probably the most important time for you to do this because if you're not an airline, you're probably not in front of your customers right now. And and they're not in front of you, even if they want to be. And so it's a great time for you to reach out to people to remind them that you appreciate them when times are down, when the chips are down, and when times are good. And these are the customers that are continuing to purchase your products and service even during a pandemic. And I think they deserve special attention or recognition for their continued patronage, even when it might be a little tough. 100%. I mean, if you can't have personal touch interactions because we're not doing actual touching, at least have a cool touch point like this. And I think the handwritten thank you note is a no-brainer. I mean, when it comes to the investment that it takes you to write a handwritten thank you note compared to the impact it has on your relationship with the recipient, I actually can't think of a single customer touch point or experience enhancement that will have a greater return on investment or better outcome for you. I mean, thank you notes are increasingly rare in our on-the-go, transactional, we don't teach cursive anymore, digital world, right? They offer a physical memento of a personal relationship with someone that is all too often relegated to a fleeting text message or an archived or, God forbid, even deleted email message. It requires less than 15 minutes of your time, but people keep notes like this around 
for months or even years. I mean, let me ask this question of you, Dan, and everybody who's listening at home, you can play along too. Do you have in your house a thank you note that somebody wrote to you? Yes or no? I do, yes. Yes. Now, let me ask this question. Is that thank you note older than three months old? Yes. Yes. So here's the fascinating thing. You still have the note. You remember who it was from. You've read it at least once, if not more, and you kept it. Let me ask. This is 100% unscripted. Tell us about it. Yeah, I have two of them hung up in my office because they inspire me and I read them all the time. I love it. I love it. So here's the thing. We as human beings, since the beginning of time, but particularly in the middle of this pandemic, we are dying for physical proof that we matter. We are dying for evidence that we have created a connection with someone, that we have served someone, that they appreciate our presence on the planet. And a thank you note is a such an easy way to let them know that. And people will keep these and they will look back on them and they will remember you and they will think fondly of you. And folks, it's like you can do this for less than a dollar fifty per customer, like easy for less than a dollar fifty per customer. And I'm counting postage and the note and the envelope all in. Everybody should be doing this. So as Jason aptly notes in the article, quote, every time you interact with a customer, you have an opportunity to reinforce your values and build the relationship at a time when personal connections are more than a bit strained. Every effort you make to reach out to your customers or anyone for that matter is a big deal. Absolutely. So friends, we have a challenge for you. Having recently celebrated Thanksgiving here in the United States and in Canada, and with a nod of appreciation to our listeners outside of the United States and Canada, all of you listening around the world, thanks so much for your support. Here's the challenge. Pick one of your customers. And if you're one of those overachievers, go ahead and pick three, but don't pick more than three and write them a handwritten note, a a physical handwritten note with your hand on a pen, thanking them for sticking with you through 2020, thanking them for their continued patronage. Let them know how excited you are to be serving them now and to continue serving them into the new year and beyond. Write the note and see what happens. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Dan, I know you are a huge fan of game shows. Ah, yes, always have been. And I assume we're going to talk about our new game show, Experience Points? Uh, Not in this segment. We're actually going to talk about Experience Points in the next segment, Dan. But for now, I want to give you a chance to play the Experience This version of a little game called Name That Tune. Okay, in all seriousness, and this is unrehearsed, that was one of my favorite game shows. And of all the game shows that have come back, that have been resurrected over the years, I cannot figure out why Name That Tune has never come back. I know, I know. It's it's so, especially with the advent of so many more people listening. I mean, let's let's take it back from like, 
the Walkman to the iPod to TikTok today. Like music is such a bigger part of everyone's life today in many ways than it was even 20 years ago. I agree with you. Name that tune would be an obvious, obvious play. But what I decided, because I knew, and the folks, this is completely unrehearsed. Dan has no idea where this is going. Because I know you're a big fan of game shows, and there was a interesting little story I came across that I wanted to share. I wanted to turn it into a game. So what I'm going to do is, much like Name That Tune, I'm going to play a little audio clip, and Dan, you get to guess where it comes from. All right? So here is your- Put me on the spot, why don't you? Put me on the spot. Here is your first one. Okay, not only do I know that that's NBC, but you know what was really weird, Joey? I had a sense that that was the first one you were going to show me. (laughs) As soon as you said, here's the first one, I'm like, it's going to be done. I don't know. I love it. It is a very, very famous sound cue. You did a great job of getting it. I love it. I didn't miss them all. So now I can relax a little bit. Exactly. You can breathe easy. You got the first one right. Now, I got to tell you, Dan, of all the sound cues in the game, no pressure. This is the one I think you have the highest likelihood likelihood of getting right. So you already got NBC right, so you're doing well. But this one, I really think there is a strong possibility you're going to get it right. All right. On your marks, get set, go. Yes, definitely. ESP <laughs> Sports Center. Yes, Sports Center. You are correct. Dan Gingas, ladies and gentlemen, two for two, getting it done. He knows his... He knows his no, sound no, clip music. We're not his points. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going for charity just yet. I'm not making a donation. Maybe if you get all five, I'll do something special for you, Dan. All right. Now, this one, maybe not quite as familiar to you, but I know will be familiar to a lot of our listeners. In other um, words, you're the dummy, Dan. Everyone else no, knows. No, no, no. I think you'll know this one, too. But all right. Let's here try. you go. This, this one's got a little bit of a buildup. All right, that's plenty. Yeah, but at the beginning, I was like, what the heck is this? It's it's, it's the build-up. I'm going to go with Walt Disney or Disney. You are correct. That is the opening theme to all Walt Disney movies. All right. We've got another one for you, Dan. Here you go. Again, this one's got a little bit of a build-up. So it's been a while, I imagine. But do you remember where you heard that one? I I believe that is, I hope I get the brand right, but is that the Dolby sound, surround sound or? So close. It is THX. You are right. It is, okay. It is the sound that they play at the beginning when you're at a movie theater. Yes. Right? That, and that, actually, that, you'll appreciate this. I once heard an acapella group do that. And it was unbelievable because it actually oh. layered in like five different sounds at the same time. And it came out 
amazingly well. See if you can Google oh, that. I love it. Like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if we can track that down and put it in the show notes at experiencethisshow.com. All right. Now, this is the last one, Dan. Here's the last sound cue for you. And I will tell you this one in advance. It's actually quite short. All right. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I hear this one, I don't know, like five times a week. I think it's... <laughs> I think it's Netflix. <laughs> yes, sir. You are correct. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Gingis, game show host, wannabe extraordinaire. His favorite game show was Name That Tune, and you proved it today with this segment. Dan, you got all of them right. I love it. Now, I got to tell you, that last sound cue is pretty interesting because millions of people around the world are familiar with the ta-dum. You can't log into Netflix, queue up some cartoons for the kids, or sit down to binge watch a series without hearing that opening sound cue, ta-dum. Now, as observed by Netflix product vice president Todd Yellen, quote, it's become the gold standard for sonic brands. It's immediately recognizable, and everyone knows that it means Netflix. Well, I feel like we could do a whole segment on what makes a sonic brand, which is kind of a cool term I haven't heard before. But what I think is so interesting about this is we've touched on multiple different senses in our previous episodes, right? We Earlier this season, we talked about the bookstore that is completely dark, and, and you talked about a restaurant that you went to in the dark. And we've uh, last season, we interviewed somebody that works for a, a company that produces scents, very memorable scents in hotels and, and other places. And, and, and we've that, talked about bespoke touch you know, experiences, like you know, velvet touch, enclo- magnetic enclosures on packages, and velvet paper for brochures. Yeah, we've talked a lot about it different ways that senses can be incorporated into the customer experience. Absolutely. And sound uh, for certain businesses is absolutely one of those things. Absolutely. Now, while sound cues in general are fascinating, here's where the Netflix ta-dum ran into some challenges. Now, Netflix has grown beyond mailing DVDs to your house, right? They then went to streaming movies to your home, to funding their own movies for theatrical releases. And since 2018, they've been releasing original films that they produced and funded in the cinemas. And what happened is Netflix felt that the ta-dum sound felt a little too rushed for the cinematic setting. Ooh, it sounds like they needed a little Hollywood boost. Exactly. And so according to the fine folks at ClassicFM.com, quote, they needed a movie mood, a symphonic version of the sound to set people up for a longer experience. So what did they do? They hired Hans Zimmer. Some of our listeners may not know Hans Zimmer by name, but I guarantee you're familiar with the sounds he's created over the years, including the scores for 150 blockbuster movies like Inception, the entire Pirates of the Caribbean series, Gladiator, the Dark Knight trilogy, and The Lion King. So Zimmer worked to put together an epic new version of Tadum, which I'd love to share with all of you now. So it still has the nice ta-dum at the end, but it's a lot more substantial than what we heard. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I, I'll be very fascinated to see whether people recognize it as a, an enhancement to Tadum or whether they think of it as something completely different. I don't know. I, I mean, I, listening to it, I, I'm not sure that I can say. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And again, we'll have to see what it's like in the movie theater when hopefully we can get back to movie theaters soon. But the reality is it's 16 seconds long. It went from being a two to three second long to 16 seconds. I personally think it gives a totally new feel. And, you know, the Tadum sound has become really iconic in a short amount of time. And I love that Netflix went to the extra level of saying, you know what? In a theater setting, if we just pop up the Netflix logo and say, ta-dum, we, we want something a little more. We want to separate the fact that this is Netflix in the cinema as opposed to Netflix in your home. Yeah, and I think that's the real reason for doing it is that this is a different product, frankly, that they're putting out. And ultimately, I'm assuming the cinema movies will end up on the streaming service as well. But I think that's the goal is to differentiate it. And I think that, you know, even that Sports Center theme song that you've, uh, that you played has changed over the years and has evolved over the years. And I, I think that just like we look at our logos and our colors and our brand palette and all that sort of thing, if you have a sound associated with your brand, it's definitely something that you ultimately want to refresh at some point. You know, we've seen if we stick with movies, you know, you see a company called 20th Century Fox that had to grapple with, you know, whether they had to change their name as we entered the 21st century. And, uh, and you, and, and yet sometimes you see throwbacks. So Disney often leads with that, you know, the old 19, what is it, 20s edition of, of Mickey, right? Yeah, exactly. And, really, right? Yeah, so I think you can go both ways. You you can get that vintage uh, look if that's what you're looking for. Or I think, you know, for Netflix, because there really isn't a vintage Netflix, so to speak, I do think they're always looking to be cutting edge and, as the guy said, uh, to be a sonic brand. So true. And here's the thing, listeners, friends. You might be sitting here thinking, all right, guys, what are we supposed to do with this segment? How are we supposed to learn from Netflix's new symphonic sound cue? Well, here's a few thoughts. Number one, if you don't have sound cues in your business, you should consider them. In a world where audio is becoming more and more important, whether that's via voice assistants like Alexa, and I know I just turned her on when I said that, or the rising prevalence of podcasts, your brand can and should be thinking more about audio and the sound of your brand than maybe you have in the past. I, 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 I got to interrupt you for a second here. So our listeners may or may not know, Joey and I split up the duties of our podcast, with not only writing the episodes, but also the kind of behind the scenes thing. And, and one of the duties that I have is I listen to the episodes before they air. And I'm telling you, it would be so easy for me to fast forward through our intro music. I am always humming along with it and like, you know, speaking on top of the voices because it's just become, you know, like I get excited when I hear it. And so I, I think that is true of so many things that we don't even think about how a sound or a jingle or, a, or, or some sort of a cue can affect us. Absolutely. And let's be honest, again, pull the curtain back a little bit more. We hired a composer to custom compose our music, not only for the show, but for the interstitials between segments and all the segment intros. Ironically enough, my college roommate, Davin Seaman, who's an amazing 
musician and composer and keyboard player. We hired him to put something together for us. And we've intentionally kept the same, you know, general feel to the music, even as we've added new segments from season to season. We always go to them between seasons and we're like, hey, we're going to have two new segment types this season, or we're going to do this new this season. And he writes new music that fits in the same genre. So there's, regardless of how big or small your brand is, you can make a decision to invest in the sound. The second thing I want to point out is that as your brand develops over time, it's really important to look at your brand identity elements and make sure they still work well with your current product and service offerings. I was a guy who for many years spent time designing logos and getting organizations to have a brand style guide. But one of the secrets to a successful brand style guide is that it's a living, breathing document. And in the same way that Netflix has moved out of the home into the cinema, they needed a sonic rebranding. And finally, when you think about how your brand fits with other brands, make sure you're playing the same type of tune. What I mean by that is a three-second sound cue works for the Netflix login screen in your house. But in a movie theater, that THX sound cue that we played earlier in the show is 27 seconds long. You can't have the standard, quote, are the speakers working sound cue be longer than the sound cue for your feature film. So give it some thought. What's the sound of your brand and what can you do to get that sound out to your audience? The following is a crossover segment from the new game show that Dan and I have been telling you about, Experience Points. Brought to you by our friends at Avtex, who also sponsor Experience This, the new game show combines customer experience trivia with lively discussions on how to create remarkable experiences in your business. And along the way, we try to have a lot of fun with our guest contestants. This week, we feature a game called What Happened with innovation and marketing expert and all-around great guy, Rohit Bargava. Enjoy the segment and see if you can guess what happened. In What Happened, watch the first half of an experience story. Choose what you think happens next from four possible endings. Answer correctly for 500 points. If incorrect, you'll be granted an extra life and the opportunity to answer from the remaining three endings for 250 points. Let's earn some money for Donors Choose. Are you ready to get started? I am ready to get started. Let's do it. All right, this is Nate Brown. He is the Chief Experience Officer of Officium Labs in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a CX guy through and through. In fact, he started a group called the CX Innovators. And not surprisingly, he had a customer experience story that he wanted to share with us. Hello there, Dan and Joey. Nate Brown here, and I do have an experience for you. I do quite a bit of photography. And last year I had a lens, a Canon 85mm 1.2 that I really loved, uh, but I just didn't need it anymore. It's an expensive lens and one that was collecting dust. So I, I began the process of researching, how can I trade this in and get something that would fit my needs a little bit better, something a little more wide angle, and landed uh, at the site of a major camera retailer based in New York. And, and called them up and uh, got a really nice gentleman there who uh, offered, yeah, you could trade that lens in and we'll be able to get you a new lens uh, that is very, very close to what you're looking for there. Go ahead and send that lens on in. My goodness, if I only knew what was about to happen, I would have just kept that darn thing. 
Okay, so Nate sent his lens in to the camera store. What happened next? Is it A, he receives a new lens along with a handwritten note and a free tripod? Sounds good. B, he receives a new lens that quickly breaks and then finds out that the lens was a fake. C, the company keeps his old lens and never sends a new one. Or D, he receives a better lens than he expected. He enters and wins a photography contest with it. What do you think, Rohit? What happened to Nate? I think that he, uh, I'm going to go with C. Company keeps the lens and never sends the new one. And tell us why. Uh, I don't have much to go on on this one, so this one's kind of a guess. <laughs> Is that okay? I love the honesty, Rohit. Love the honesty of a guess. Indeed, indeed. So what if we told you, Rohit, that you should guess again? Because <laughs> it isn't C. So why don't we use our extra life and choose between A, B, and D? All right. Um, I will go with, I'm going to stay negative on this one and go with B. Okay, All right. Because I chose a lane, you know, so I'm going to stick with the, I think it was a negative experience. Is there anything other than that this company was in New York that makes you think that it would be a negative experience? Um, no, pretty much the New York thing gives it away. I think that was entirely, you know, that was entirely it. I just think that you couldn't possibly have a good experience going to New York. That must be it. Yeah. That's Sorry it. to our viewing audience in New York. <laughs> One of the great things about experience points, ladies and gentlemen, it's always fun to see the logic and the rationale that our contestants put towards figuring out the game. Rohit, you said B that Nate received a new lens that quickly broke and then he found out that the lens was a fake. Let's go back to Nate to see what actually happened. So conclusion to that story, it was an elaborate manipulation. They did not deliver on the promise that they had made originally, had to pay significant money in to get the lens that I had asked for, and finally got the lens after they overcharged me $700 on my credit card, had to spend weeks fighting to get my money back, get the lens, works for a while, the lens breaks. I call the manufacturer, they, I give them the serial number, turns out this company had given me a gray market version of the lens that the manufacturer won't even repair. So now I'm stuck with a broken piece of equipment. I've been manipulated. They've done nothing to make this right. Now it's, it's incredible to me. I've reported them to the Federal Trade Commission. They've been a nightmare for me. I'm going to be a nightmare for them. I hate it. I don't want it to be this way, but they have certainly earned it. All right, right. Victory. Victory. <laughs> you know, those New Yorkers, I got to say, it must be that. <laughs> the extra life paid off Rohit. You got it correct on the second try. Wow, what a story. You know, Rohit, at the risk of let's not bag on New York, right? But let's talk about the fact that sometimes people can have a preconceived notion about what it's going to be like to do business with you based on your geographic location, based on what your website looks like, etc. Could you talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, 
a reputation can precede you uh, depending on you know extraneous factors that your prospects or your customers might build into their consideration. Yeah, I think, well, this part of it's nothing new. We, we, I think anybody in business knows when you give someone a negative experience, you know, they're going to have that negative experience and they're not coming back. I think what people underestimate is just how angry people can be and just how vocal they can be about their anger. And you heard it from Nate, uh, where he, he didn't just say, man, I hate them. I'm never going back. He said, I hate them. And basically I'm going to tell everyone who will possibly listen to me how bad they are. And that's a viral kind of hate that we've really got to be concerned about anybody in business, because when you screw up and you own up to it and you try and fix it, uh, that person might not come back to you. Okay. But they don't turn into that vocal hater that tells everyone how crap you are. They just shut up, which is kind of worth it if you think about it, because not everybody does things perfectly all the time. But to be able to at least get somebody to a point where they can keep their negative experience to themselves is a certain type of victory. Absolutely. You know, I think, Rohit, one of the interesting things is uh, lots of businesses refer to their negative customer reviews or the people who aren't interested as detractors. And I think that limits the actual impact. If we think of having, you know, either advocates or detractors, it's a different conversation than having advocates, detractors, and haters. I agree with you. Nate's a great guy. He's a super nice guy. He's a friend of the show, but you can tell that they went too far. And it's almost like he's on a mission to kind of bring the dishonesty that he experienced uh, to bear to the greater public so people don't get taken advantage of the same way he did. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, you may have even written about this, like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And so, like, we don't usually care until you make us care so much that we actively hate you. And at that point, we're going to do more work because, like, look, it's easier for him to do nothing. Right. I mean, he's not waking up in the morning saying, I'd love to devote one hour a day to talking about how much I hate these guys. Like, nobody wants to do that. But because his emotion's so high, like he's going to do it whenever he gets a chance to and appear on a talk show to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And I, one of the things that stands out to me here is, and maybe this is just my values and morals, but I, I, I can kind of guess that, uh, that you guys share them with me, is if you're going to choose the path of being dishonest with your customers, you may win that transaction, but you sure as heck are not going to stay in business long and keep customers for a long time. You know, I had a, an experience, ironically, in New York City as well, where I was recording a podcast, probably with Joey, and I had forgotten my microphone. And so I needed to buy a microphone quickly. And so I went to uh, Times Square and went into one of those ubiquitous electronic shops and I found a Sony microphone. And it was like $100 and it just was more than I wanted to spend. But the guy had shown it to me and I said, nah, it's, it's too much, I'm okay. And as I was walking out the door, he said, how about 50? And I was like, wow, okay. So I was right that the 100 was more than I wanted to spend. I decided at that moment that I was not gonna check my phone because I really needed the microphone. So I bought it for 50, got back to my hotel room, looked up the microphone on Amazon, $7.99, right? Oh. And so I feel like, and, and then I look at the receipt and, and stamped on the receipt, no returns. 
And I'm thinking to myself like, okay, I get it. Maybe you're preying on tourists or what have you, but this is not a way to run a business, especially today, where as you say, Rohit, that people have a voice on social media and they're not afraid to use it when they feel like a company has taken advantage of them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and I think that people are much more willing to, to talk about that and, and feel better when they do. You know, I think if we were to roll back the clock in history to when everybody lived in smaller towns or villages, if your product or your service didn't work, not only did you offend that customer, but because your entire marketplace was just that little town or village, all the other people in the town or village knew about it. And so as a result, I think people tried to deliver a better quality product. They tried to be honest with what they were doing. And as time went on and cities got bigger and we grew and we started to have things like Dan's talking about being a tourist in a city, buying something, companies got to the place where they could take advantage of the fact that there was a bigger world that they could sell to and the likelihood of any one customer really being able to cause them problems was pretty small. So they could cut corners and be dishonest. The reality today is though, I think with everyone walking around with a phone that has a video camera in it that they can shoot a testimonial video, either positive or negative and post it to YouTube or TikTok or LinkedIn or even the Twitters, because I know Dan's all about the Twitters, uh, you know, wherever you're posting it, it can go viral and suddenly the entire world knows you're dishonest. So I think even if we don't yeah. go to the place of morals that you illustrated, Dan, which hopefully that's where the majority of people are and I imagine and know all of our great listeners at Experience Points are, uh, it's now to the point where you can't hide anymore. The reality will catch up with you. And boy, if you create haters, They've got a lot more power and ability today than at any other time in history. All right, Joey, let's recap. How did Rohit do playing What Happened? Well, in this game, correct answers are worth 500 points. And while Rohit didn't get it correct on his first try, he used his extra life and he answered it correctly, which means he earned 250 points. Those points convert into dollars, which means that Rohit earned a $250 donation to Donors Choose. Congrats, Rohit. Great job. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Experience Points. Check out more games with Rohit and our other celebrity contestants at experiencepointsgame.com. That site again is experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experiences here at Experience Points, presented by Avtex. We hope you enjoyed that sample segment of Experience Points. For more game show episodes, head over to www.experiencepointsgame.com or you can visit Avtech's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Experience Points. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear, 
This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.